0: Welcome to Main Street Banking, a podcast for community bankers, brought to you by the Barrett School of Banking, located in the heart of banking, blues, and barbecue, Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Byron Earnhardt. I'm the program director here at Barrett, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to our corner of the banking world and hope that we can make your bank, your staff, and maybe even your day a better one. Okay, welcome back to uh, Main Street Banking. We are continuing on some of our ag-related content coming off of our uh, Ag Lending Summit we had a week or two ago, uh, had a lot of great speakers. That's still available for a purchase for on-demand viewing. Um, I'll put a link in the description uh, for you to for purchase that. About six to eight hours of some really outstanding ag lending content. But I wanted to bring back one of our speakers, <coughs> excuse me, wanted, wanted to bring back one of our speakers from the Ag Lending Summit. Uh, my good buddy, Scott Sorter, uh, he uh, has really interesting material on uh, talking to the young farmer. And I thought that was an interesting angle uh, particularly for our audience to hear. So wanted to introduce, bring back Scott and so got him today on the podcast. Scott, how you doing today, buddy? Doing good, Byron. Thanks for having me. Good. why don't you tell uh, the listeners about yourself and a little bit about crop line financial?
1: Absolutely. Um, so I, I grew up around agriculture. My father was a crop consultant, so I, I worked a lot in the cotton fields of the Mississippi Delta uh, 95 degree weather with almost hundred percent humidity. So, uh, I made the decision to, uh, to work in an office, uh, in the air conditioning as, uh, when I went to to school and studied agricultural economics. So, um, I spent most of my career, the first part of my career in, in risk management with, uh, with farmers and, and even buyers of commodities. And then I got into ag finance back in the uh, early two thousands and, uh, have made a career in ag finance working for a Uh, a commercial bank doing some ag lending and then for a Robo agri finance, a rather large ag lender that you may be aware of. And, and then I had a consulting firm where we did a lot of financial, uh, consulting and advisory for, uh, for crop farmers, um, and really had a good experience working with farmers in that too. So, uh, crop line is, is, uh, is what we're going to talk about today a little bit. And and that's what we're doing as well, working with farmers in a financial service capacity.
0: Excellent. Yeah. I I was really impressed with uh, what your company did and some of the mission statement that y'all talked about. That was, that was really impactful. Um, Scotty, in your talk at the Ag Lending Summit, you discussed the young farmer and what they're looking for. and uh, That's why I brought you back on the show. I wanted you to share that information uh, again with the podcast
1: audience. Absolutely. So, you're right, Byron, you, you ref, referred to our, our mission statement, and it, it, it is to help farmers be better financial managers and to help them be more profitable because of that. And so we are working with farmers and with their lenders to, in sort of a coaching capacity where we implement basic financial principles on the farm. And it's just something that a lot of farmers either don't didn't, don't know about or have never been trained on. So we're bringing that to the farm and helping them in that way. Um, and and uh, and we've, we're using systems and technology to do that um, and implementing a system that we call the Farm Financial 4 using some cloud-based tools. And so we're delivering our platform and our systems with these basic financial principles via technology. So young farmers... Are a big uh, a big uh, market for us and, and our customers. We have uh, farmers that are that are uh, you know under the age of 35 consuming our services and we have we have them over the age of 35 too. But you know the USDA uh, defines a young farmer as under 35. So so yeah at the ag at the ag summit we talked about that and so that's where we we'll start technology. Young farmers are looking to consume uh, things in a different way. Than then people uh, then, you know, farmers, their predecessors and fathers and and mothers and aunts and uncles did uh, and grandparents. So so they're consuming technology. Um, uh, if you think about it, the iPhone was launched in 2007. So today uh, in, in the average age of a, of a kid that gets an iPhone today is 10.3 years old. But let's let's rewind back to 2007, say it was 12 years old. Well, a 12 year old that received an iPhone in 2007 has been using mobile apps for 13 years. And that's a 25 year old farmer. So Mm -hmm. the 35 year old farmers have been using apps their whole career, essentially since right when they were out of school, if they purchased an iPhone, their senior year of college. So, so we're right at that time when technology, that technology curve, farmers are really uh, going up the technology curve. So they're looking for mobile apps Fintech production agriculture, you know, production apps that help them on the production side, and so um, they're looking to consume that in that way, and, and um, that's why we're delivering our platform the way we are. Um, another thing about the technology is with fintech. I know you you know banks are, are very keen on what's happening in the in the industry, and fintech is is the key word kind of, um, and. You know, a lot of a lot of young farmers have have maybe never walked into a bank, a physical bank location. And so like my my children are are, are teenagers and and one of the oldest one has has been in a bank. I don't think the younger one has ever been inside a bank before. And um, so that's an interesting dynamic that banks will have to deal with with young farmers and how they deliver their products uh, to uh, younger farmers, including you know, long term loans and short term lending and, and equipment lending and stuff like that. So so we think that's pretty key. And then you got social media, which is a big part of technology. Um, I read just this morning, actually, that, you know, uh, screen time has increased by 69% during the COVID era. So so people are consuming uh, technology, mainly on their mobile apps, all, almost, you know, at least five hours a day is what the article said. So, so we've had that to to think about and, and a lot of time is spent on social media and, and even some of these fintech apps have a social element to it like when my daughter wants her allowance you know a lot of times she requests it on venmo and she'll send me you know a message in venmo that says hey dad you need to pay me my allowance so you know that's that's or can can you please pay me my allowance <laughs> so um you know that that's it's just a different way that that these younger farmers are consuming and are the ones that are coming up are going to consume. And so that's that's the main thing that we're we're looking at right now. And then that changes how they there's studies that showing that young farmers, since information and data is so readily available to them via the technology, they're making decisions a little bit differently than say their 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 fathers and grandfathers were. They're, they have more access to to relevant information that's like hot off the press for lack of a better term. So they can open their phone and read articles that are much more germane to what they're working on that moment than, say, 10 years ago when they might have to, you know, call up an expert and ask a question. So they're consuming information and data differently as well because of the technology. And then the third thing we're seeing, too, with younger farmers, relationships are still important uh, with their their local lenders. And that's key. And we think that's huge. And we're big advocates at at Cropline Financial for, uh, for community banks. Um, we think that's key to successful ag lending in the future is having those good relationships. But they're also dealing with their salespeople and their bankers a little bit differently. Whereas they used to call them for you know uh, problem solving and, and looking for information. Now they're calling them mainly for pricing. And so um, they're looking for pricing information or, or or discussion about the product or service more readily than they were Say where their fathers or, or grandfathers might be looking for advice or problem solving in um, mm. a different capacity. So, um, and that could be that could mean that you know uh, that young farmers might be a little bit more interest rate sensitive and, and looking for products that can be delivered mobile. And 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 then you know what is the price of those products and how's that how much is that going to cost me? But we still we still are seeing that relationships are key. And, and that they rely on their lenders. So that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. What, um, what are some of the obstacles that you're, you're finding young farmers face as they go out there and try to set up their, uh, their production, their operations?
1: That's a great question. And I think it's this, we've heard this in our, you know, amongst our customer base and, and we've read a lot of data around this around the country, but right now it's in no particular order access to land you know, uh, rent is increasing. Um, with with anytime commodity prices uh, go up, rent goes up, and and land prices are also uh, really high. So it's hard for a young farmer to acquire land if it wasn't coming to them in a, in a family environment. Um, and it's even it's easier for a, a lender to make a loan on land, you know, when the father's technically still on the balance sheet and helping you know transition from that right. succession in a succession capacity, but right. if a farmer wants to go out and buy, a young farmer wants to go buy land themselves it's much more difficult if they don't have their father, grandfather's balance sheet or grandmother's balance sheet. So, so that's, those are two things are key and rents, you know, there's some, there's some really interesting stuff going on in the rental markets where, you know, rents uh, you know, young farmers are, are also less focused um, on like a lot of their, I would say uh, average consumer counterparts, they're not so much asset driven. So they are forced, they are looking to rent land, but, but yet rent prices are, are increasing. So it, it's, it's kind of a challenge for them. Um, you know, we're, we're living in an age back to the technology where Uber and, and you know apps uh, let, let uh, people, uh, they don't have to own things. They don't have to own a car because they can call Uber in some of these in, some, in larger urban areas. Well, that's sort of uh, translating out onto the farm as well. So so land prices are, are higher. Rent is higher. And that's so access to land is a challenge. Um, the second thing is uh, labor issues. You know, there's they're either in a situation where uh, people have moved out of the country and out of the rural areas and into the cities. And so there's a lack of labor totally. And then there's also a lack of a lack of skilled labor. Where even in the rural areas, uh, maybe some of the people that they might be able to hire just didn't grow up on a farm or uh, weren't around agriculture as much as as they were prior. So there's that's that aspects of access to 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 good to good labor is also a challenge for younger farmers. Um, and then the third thing too is is you know business services since they're looking for business services because of information and some of these things that. You know, we talked about earlier with information and data, but there's not a whole there may not be the business services available to them. So um, they they're looking, you know, how to be government programs are a big thing for ag. I and mean, we find that, you know, we know that on on farming this year with COVID, you know, the government, uh, the government money that came in actually helped a lot of was going to help a lot of farms be profitable. Most farms, you know, government programs this past the past two years have been 30 30 to maybe 35, 40% of their income. So um, that's a huge thing. So they want to know about government programs and they want access to it. They want, they want uh, access to capital. They're looking for, uh, you know, their their bankers to provide them uh, capital in different in different ways maybe. So um, it, that's where it goes back to the FinTech, you know, and how, it, how it's delivered and what, what are the products and services that are delivered to them via the technology. And then they're also looking for how do I sell my products? You know, we'll talk a little bit here, and I'll mention specialty crops here in a little bit probably, but, you know, they're looking for access to how can I make more money and 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 how can I market these products to a, a different consumer?
0: Yeah, and I think that the, all of those points, I think that's why it's so crucial for the ag lenders because we're seeing similar issues in, in community banking that there, there's, there's the... The more experienced lender, I'll say, I won't say old, I'll say experienced lender Um, and a generation gap and then younger, greener uh, lenders that are starting to learn, that are starting to learn the business. And what you just said there is what I wish that these younger, these younger ag lenders would learn, learn about all that too. learn the credit, learn the five C's, learn the cash, learn, learn all that, but learn about all that too, because your customer is. And if you're not coming alongside of your your customer in these areas, now you're just an order taker, and there's no That's value right. to you. And I think having a bank, having a good solid community banker um, that knows the business and knows what you were talking about, and, and staying informed of that, of, of all those things that you mentioned, um, sets apart the good and the great ag lenders. So thanks for well, thanks for sharing that.
1: Yeah, that that's a huge. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that is a huge component of successful the successful younger farmers is mm. the, their their banking uh, providers um, that relationship focus. But the younger, yeah, the that the the stats on on ag lenders is almost the same it is as it is on farmers. Where yes, there's a lot of uh, retiring ag lenders retiring, coming up, good, and, and Yeah, that's right. Retiring ag lenders. So, so these young ag lenders, they're going to consume, they're going to see things differently than those retiring ag lenders did. And so the banks, the banks that adopt, uh, you know, you can't be scared of technology T- history has shown you have to learn how to adapt it and, or partner with companies that are providing it. And that's the best way to stay engaged with the customer. So, so we, we're big believers of that. And that's why we're working with banks and, Frankly, we get uh, I got an email just this morning from a younger banker uh, in Indiana, you know, that said, hey, we're we're highly interested in seeing what you guys are doing with your customers. And that he said, I think it'll help me communicate with my customers better if 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 I feel confident that they understand, you know, and they're looking at their financial data more often. Yes, And so. If you remember, Byron, in the in the Ag Lending uh, Summit that you guys did, one of my slides showed that technology adoption curve. Mm-hmm. And I think that's critical to how banks have to think about things. So, you know, 20 years ago, uh, the technology, and, and I always say this is kind of a little bit of anecdotal, but, you know, the sexy side of ag is the production side. Everybody wants to focus on yield and, you know, look at that. You, you can see my screen behind me. I mean, yeah. I put that intentionally. I mean, it's green, it's growing stuff. You know, there every banker I know, every ag banker I know likes being out in the field. And you like to go do those crop inspections. You like being out and seeing your customers. It's part of our nature as as lenders, and and but people also just people love being outdoors where the green stuff is growing. So that's the sexy side, and all the technology went towards that. You know, uh, with GPS and satellite imagery, and and now that's a very I would say. It's a really mature space in technology, you know, satellite imagery you can use there. You can have a service where you log in and check a farmer's crop from your desk, you know, which is handy in one ways. It kind of takes you out of the field In others. But so we're up on that technology curve now where those services, those business services and those that FinTech is here up at the top of that hockey stick growth curve where banks are gonna to have to start paying more attention to it, in my opinion. They're gonna to have to start using and consuming this technology just alongside of their customers.
0: Interesting point, Scott, I hadn't thought of that. My, uh, my uncle's a crop consultant around here in Tunica as well. So when you talk about growing up on um, the, uh, the crop consulting, I too know the value of counting squares in a cotton field. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, but he was doing GPS and field mapping uh, in the early, in the late '90s, early 2000s, and yep. back then they were still, you know, you know, glorified Excel spreadsheet You maybe even Lotus One Two Three spreadsheets at that point. And, mm-hmm. and th- that I hadn't thought about that technology going to the green, going to the green side, so much earlier and so much heavier than what we're seeing on the ag thin side. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. That's a really good point. Um, well, I always ask this of my of my ag guests because I want to put them on the spot, and make them uncomfortable. Let's let's get that uh, crystal ball out, Scott. What do you think the future farm looks like? And with you being a former banker, what roles do you see the banks playing there?
1: Uh, yeah. So I think the first one is the farms, just what we've been talking about. At, you know, they're going to be run more like a business. Yeah, and and we that's not a bad thing. Like we're not saying I'm not saying that you know, we, we use, we actually talk about this when we're talking to banks, you know, uh, farmers, um, we're not saying that it's farming first business second or mm-hmm. business first farming second. We're like, those are both every bit as equal. And, and so being run more like a business we're see we, that's been a trend really the last, uh, 10 years for sure. And the, and the FinTech will, will be part of that. You know, if they can pay things with their phone while they're on a tractor, or or out in the field doing something, that's a key aspect of how they're going to run it. They're going to be consuming apps that are more financially focused. I mean, we're seeing some uptake in in financial, you know, financial applications, ERP systems, even for larger farms, where they've got to link directly into a supply chain somewhere. I mean, that'll be really interesting. And then the 5G is also going to make, you know, just, information delivery, um, you know, via via uh, Wi-Fi hotspots on 5G, you know, much more uh, fast, much faster on the farm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I read about a, a, a business um, that a farmer has where he sets up 5G satellites on top of grain bins. And we are, I mean, they're already using grain bins, but this is 5G on top of a grain bin. So, so n- numerous farms will have access to that, to, to the signal that whatever, whatever uh, you know, data provider is using that 5G to deliver that for. So that's going to be key. So they'll run more like a business. That's a really yeah. smart idea. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was impressed. when I, 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 I don't, I can't remember where I read the article, but um, it might not have even been in an ag publication. It might've just been in some technology article, yeah. uh, maybe even been Wired Magazine. I, I don't know. But um so run like a business, and mm-hmm. the technology and the data delivery will, will help them do that. Um, the second, because of data and 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 the opportunities that the technology is providing, I mean, there's grain bin systems, you know, that measure grain like and like that measure the grain bin and send the send them out and the condition of the moisture, you know, or the or the crops, how much moisture is in there, what's going on in the in the bin, and they send it directly to the farmer's phone, you know, so. So all this data is going to help farmers learn how to, to, to market their crops better. And so there's two things I see there. Uh, the sort of the decommoditization, which there's some companies out there that are trying that and talking about, you know, building marketplaces for that. Um, and, we're, and we're seeing, you know, farmers that that might be large, you know, a quote-unquote large farmer is over uh, I think a thousand acres and as far as the USDA is concerned or there's some you know there's some uh, there's some guidelines there but but large farmers that um that split off a little bit some of these younger farmers especially are splitting off a couple of hundred acres or so to grow an organic or a specialty crop and they may even be selling it direct to uh, you know to the supply chain like I know of a rice farmer in Mississippi that's doing that and I know of a, a wheat, a very large wheat farming operation in North Dakota that's doing that and just got a, bit, a contract with like General Mills to sell specialty products that are based on, you know, uh, sustainably and healthily, uh, healthy grown wheat. So, so are looking for specialty market opportunities. And, and then there'll also be companies, I think, that'll help farmers uh, sell their crops using um, uh, fintech and, and data. So, like uh, there's a company called Betterment and there's a company called personal capital that you just, you give it, you put money in, and then it, it uses algorithms to invest your money. Well, I think that'll happen too, as far as commodities go, but there'll be advisors that are using algorithms to advise farmers on when they should sell crops exactly. So I think that those marketing opportunities will increase for them in those regards. Mm. And then the last thing, I guess, that's kind of been on my mind lately and I I don't have st- I don't know if it's good or bad, but I'm seeing what I'm calling investment farming. It's corporate. A lot of a lot of times it's called corporate corporate farming. Um, But I'm seeing a lot of fund money and private equity money and even some public money coming into farming. That's happened a little bit in the past, but it's happening more now because there's so much cash available that people are looking to park. And so they're putting it into farmland. And they're coming up with these models based on algorithms and data and they're finding ways to, to, you know, to go out to the farmer and say, Hey, we'll take a lot off your plate if you just sell your land to us and then we'll rent it back to you. And so I, I, I've got some mixed emotions about some of that. And because what I think might happen is, you know, it, it it's all investor driven. It's not driven on, on the, on the farmer and, and concern for, for producing a good crop. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, it might lend to some little bit of uh, disparity between what the farmer can pay and, and could put some farmers out of the, out of the rent game. Just kind of like we talked to rents could go so high that once those contracts, initial contracts are up, you know, that those, those investors are just going to look for whoever's willing to pay the more, the most rent.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably another podcast episode we need to do on, on that one. That's I'm like you, I can see some, a lot of good and a lot of bad on, on that, but yeah, that is we're seeing it here, you know, where you, you know, in the area where you and I are um, as, as well. We're seeing, we're seeing that type of that type of farming. Well, Scott, I appreciate it, but not you uh, tell the listeners where they can get in touch with you um, and find out more about you and Cropline Financial.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for that. Um, so we're, we're online at croplinefinancial.com. We, we, uh, we're on all social LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter, um, we, we we write a blog and uh, we, we like to talk about that and 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 put that out there for farmers and, and lenders to consume. And and the blog can be found on our website. Um again, croplinefinancial.com. Um you guys can email me at S Sartor. that's S-S-A-R-T-O-R, at croplinefinancial.com, or or give me a call on my cell phone, nine zero one four one three-three eight two two. Uh, we do work uh, pretty much nationwide, and uh, we're we're happy to have conversations with uh, with with bankers all over the country.
0: Thanks, Scott. And I'll have the contact information in the show notes and then on the show page as well. Uh, so if you're if you're riding, please don't stop looking at the car and stop looking at the road. You, you'll it'll be in the show notes there for you to, to click on that. So, Scott, I appreciate it again, buddy. Thanks again for all your help and for speaking at the Senior Lender Summit um, and then for being willing to come back on to the podcast and uh, and and go from there. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks. Uh-huh.
1: Thank you, Byron. We appreciate everything Barrett School of Banking's doing. Good programming, good online content for sure. I know we look at a lot of it and uh, we appreciate what you and Chris are doing. So thank you for that. And, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks, Scott. All right. See you, man. Well,
0: that's our episode for today. We hope you've enjoyed yourself and learned a little something. If you haven't already, please feel free to subscribe to our podcast and drop us a five-star rating. You can follow us at Barrett Banking on Twitter or Barrett School of Banking on Facebook and LinkedIn. And we even have a new Community Banking Road Trip playlist on Spotify highlighting your favorite songs about your home state. Check that out and feel free to submit your favorite song about your state to add to the playlist. We have an ever-growing slate of classes, seminars, and webinars that are available. And not to mention our industry-recognized Graduate School of Banking every May. And we look forward to seeing you at any or all of our events. For more information, check out our website at barrett.ws. And from Memphis, the heart of banking, blues, and barbecue, we'll see y'all next time on Main Street Banking.